Uh, welcome, everyone. Um, so today's first set, this first session is um, in a panel entitled Emerging Social Entrepreneurs and Culture Brokers. Um, and here we're hoping to explore the changing dynamics and growing interest in contemporary art and cultures of Africa and the African diaspora. Um, and spotlight, spotlight some upcoming gener generation, an emerging generation of African social entrepreneurs who are seizing the opportunity to, to mobilize new platforms uh, of discussion. Um, joining us is a panel moderated by um, Uguchuku Smooth Nziwe, um, who will be in com conversation with um, Ifani Awache, um, Shmite Obiolo, and Shirin Obuodi, and Amy Sal. Um, Smooth is a curator of African art at Dartmouth's Hood Museum of Art, and he holds a, his PhD in art history from Emory University. Uh, he's a recipient of several academic fellowships, scholarships, and artist awards, um, including a Robert Sterling Clark Foundation and Smithsonian Institution Fellowships. Um, he's curated major exhibitions in Nigeria, South Africa, and the United States, um, and most recently is uh, the Descartes Biennial. Um, uh, his writings have appeared in journals and magazines including African Arts, World Arts, Inca, Kunstform International, and he's the co-editor of a new volume on independent art spaces in, Af on Af in Africa's cities um, entitled New Spaces for Negotiating Art and Histories in Africa. Um, um, Ifani is a Nigerian-American writer and uh, curator of contemporary African art, and African Fest Arts Festival, African Salon. A uh, graduate of Yale University, uh, Ifani founded Africa Salon while working as a presidential fellow at uh, Yale Africa Institute. Um, uh, she holds a BA in English and Creative Writing and has also uh, worked as a spoken word poet and contributing editor for OK Africa. Um, uh, Chimite is a Nigerian-American, New York-based corporate attorney, entrepreneur, musician, and art collector. She received her undergraduate degree in psychology from Duke University and a Juris Doctorate from uh, Columbia Law School. Um, she, is a, she has a passion for community empowerment, cultural heritage, and supporting the arts. Um, uh, Sharon uh, is the founder and managing director of Art Accra, a forthcoming annual contemporary art fair designed to serve as an international uh, platform for, of exchange and for leading art galleries, collectors, and artists. Um, uh, she uh, first developed her love for art by exploring it on contemporary, uh, exploring it on African and Afro diasporan arts talk, which was founded in 2013. Uh, Sharon was a uh, 55-Ford Ghana ambassador at uh, social media Lagos in 2014. Um, and then Amy Saul uh, is a recent graduate uh, from Columbia University's Graduate School of Arts and Sciences and holds a master's degree in human rights uh, studies, concentrating on the right to development and youth empowerment in sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, Amy is concerned with issues particularly pertaining to the economic, social, and political exclusion of African youth and is the founding editor of SUNU, Foreign African Affairs, Critical Thought, and Aesthetics, a forthcoming online platform and print journal seeking to amplify the voice of youth and perspective with a perspective within the uh, domain of Africa and the diaspora. Um, so please welcome our panelists. Thank you. Thank you, G. Uh, thank you, everyone. Thank you for coming. Um, so a little backstory. I, I have been in conversations with some of the panelists uh, for a while about some of the projects that they are working on. 
And then when Koyo approached me to, to moderate the panel, uh, we began to, to really talk about the role of uh, digital platform, but also the ways in which um, uh, Africans themselves are beginning to uh, determine uh, the future of uh, digital platforms uh, uh, that speaks to uh, contemporary cultures, that speaks to African arts, that speaks to the social experiences of Africans uh, in Africa and outside of Africa. And so it, sort of, it was a sort of a, a meeting of kin spirit between Koya and myself. And one of the most interesting things about that conversation and the conversations I've been having with some of the, the panelists uh, is um, the fact that uh, a lot of what is going on, a lot of um, the emerging um, social entrepreneurs happen to be women. Um, which I find very fascinating, you know, and, and um, a lot of them have also been in contact with Koyo, who is a source of inspiration, and um, I want to throw it out there before we begin. So their projects are different, uh, but all interconnected. Um, the project of uh, Ifani uh, is a project she developed when she was, um, she was a student at Yale and realized that um, the, uh, there was no real African content. Uh, at Yale, and so she decided to do something about that. Um, the project of Shimita is re it's, um, sort of creating an alternative uh, a platform to promote uh, African and African diaspora art, uh, black art in general, beyond uh, our understanding of the African and African diaspora. And so it's, it's different. It's, it's getting to art promotion. Um, that of um, uh, Sunu, is, uh, that of um, Ami is really about um, um, a journal uh, that is in the, the rich lineage of uh, journals such as the Presence African, um, a journal that sort of wants to uh, think holistically about uh, the, African, the African culture uh, writ large, but also uh, systems of, of, of thought uh, and the ways in which Africans present themselves today. So I think it's really uh, a brilliant project on, uh, on our own part. And that of uh, Sharon is really creating an, an art fair. Um, um, I remember um, when I was asked about uh, 154, and the idea was you have this art fair that is happening elsewhere, not on African soil. You know, and I said, I hope one day that we'll, we'll see if, uh, a flurry of, of uh, art fairs uh, on the continent. And of course, there is one, two in, three in South Africa, um, and one in Marrakesh, I think. Uh, but it's interesting uh, that you have a younger person actually driving an agenda to create uh, an art fair on the continent. So without uh, further ado, um, I want to begin this conversation by um, starting with Ifani to sort of um, uh, paint a picture of Yale, when you were at Yale, and what uh, sort of um, led you to, uh, uh, into thinking about the Africa Salon and the content of the Africa Salon. Uh, as well. Sure, thank you, Smooth. So I'm Ifani, everyone. Thanks for coming. Um, I remember coming back from my um, first trip to Nigeria in the summer of 2013 to do my senior year at Yale. And over the course of my time at Yale, I had gotten more and more interested in my background as a Nigerian-American. Um, and then after my trip to Nigeria, I started following um, lots of Nigerian art, particularly visual art and music. And I got back to Yale all excited about all these artists that I was following, especially Nigerian artists, but also African artists more broadly. And I just wondered why we weren't talking more about this on campus, um, especially after noticing that so many, so many digital media and um, 
in so many digital media, we're talking about African art in a really special way with so much enthusiasm um, because artists had been doing their work the whole time. It's not as if they started to do work when the rest of the world took notice, but there was this particular excitement um, that, that emerged about African art at the time. And so I just thought, why don't we, why can't I expect to see some of these artists that everyone's talking about at my university? Um, and incidentally, that was the same year that Yale launched something called the Yale Africa Initiative, which was meant to be a folk, uh, an effort to focus more on the continent at Yale and through Yale's programs um, around the world um, to start new initiatives on the continent um, to give more support to Africa-related Africa -related programs um, on campus. Um, and I just thought, well, this is going to mean we're going to get more speakers talking about why Africa is poor and um, talking about corrupt governments on the continent and um, kind of having the same conversations. And I wanted to contribute and change those conversations. So when I was a senior, I pitched the idea of Africa Salon. Um, uh, and at the time, my, my vision was for a, a relatively straightforward, small-scale event that would bring um, musicians and performers to share their work um, through performances and readings, but also talk about them with faculty at Yale who were um, doing work on those subjects and on those artists, um, even. Um, and that, that event failed. Um, I did not put it on that year. Um, but I applied to work on the Africa Initiative. I really want to get my hands on it and influence it and kind of use it to bring what I thought was missing from the Africa conversation happening at Yale um, to campus. And so uh, I was accepted to work as a fellow on the Africa Initiative and tried again to bring Africa Salon to reality. Um, I convened you know, the faculty who were doing work on African arts and uh, curators at the Yale Art Gallery um, and others, many who became my mentors during this process. Um, and over the course of a year, basically got a crash course in curating and putting on a large-scale festival and um, and managing all the details that, that are entailed in that. So um, long story short, um, I tried to uh, create an event that I didn't see happening at Yale. I wanted to make space at a really prestigious, very Eurocentric, very white institution for um, African arts and culture um, so that African students could see themselves represented and um, so that we could have a different type of event around Africa on campus, different voices driving conversations about Africa on campus, um, and also to discuss all the amazing work that African artists were and are doing. Yeah, thank you. Can you sort of flesh out uh, the, uh, the content of the, these events? Um, yeah. Um, so you can see some of the content um, on the on the screen right now. But uh, in its initial year, Africa Salon um, was comprised of a series of panels. So we had a, a panel on visual art, for example, co-curated by Mokata. Um, big shout out to them, yes. Um, and uh, we basically had either a curator or a faculty member lead a conversation with a group of artists on similar themes in their work. Um, and then uh, this year, well, I should say last year, we had kind of smaller performances leading into each panel, and then the entire festival culminated in a concert. Um, and I can go kind of more into detail depending how much time we have, but I just want to draw the difference between the initial year and this year, um, this year being our second annual Africa Salon. Um, the event grew, it bloomed um, kind of organically to a week-long festival. So. 
During the week, we had film screenings, um, a, a lecture. Uh, we had a really special project called a portal, which basically um, was a gold shipping container equipped with um, AV technology um, that some of you may have um, been in here in New York, actually. It's been around the world. And basically, you walk in and are connected with someone in an, in an international city. So we had that up throughout the week. And then over the weekend, we had a fashion show. We had a dance performance um, featuring a few different dancers. Um, we had an after party that's consistently our most popular event. I don't know why. Um, we had an African brunch, a staged reading, and of course our concert. So the event shifted to a much more performance-oriented format this year that I was really excited about. And so Sharon, you, you have, a, you have a, a background, you have a degree in business. Yes. So did it in any way um, sort of uh, push you toward uh, wanting to... Uh, establish uh, an, an art fair as opposed to uh, a platform like that of um, if I yeah um, it's actually been quite a long journey I mm. would say um, I, I pursued a, a business degree mm. um, much because of my dad <laughs> and um, just you know just wanting to pursue a career that was um, secure and had a lot of opportunity and while I was studying I found that I was finding these short films and little art things online that I found thought were interesting. So I decided I was gonna chronicle that just as a place to save you know, this content. And so I started with a small blog that was called Auburn Butterfly, because it was about the idea of being a butterfly and just, you know, just being free. Um, and so over that, I started to discover more and more art and more contemporary artworks and um, people like um, Blitz the Ambassador and all of this that were just really fascinating to me. Um, and so when I graduated, I wanted to combine my sense of, uh, my understanding of marketing and communications with the exploration of topics in the arts. And so that's how I started with the art blog, which was ADAT, African Aphrodite and Art Talks. And over the past few years, it's been about just a process of trying to figure out how I combine my strengths in business with my love for art. And so I've tried that in different ways. I've worked in public relations, I've worked in events, I work at a gallery now, and it's just been, I've just been really open to understanding and experiencing the different ways that art and business can mix. And what was consistent for me was that I was really fascinated by the way that art fairs work. And I thought that, um, it's about time that we had it, we had something on the continent that served as an economic hub for the arts and a place where galleries and artists and all these uh, individuals in the arts can meet. And so that's basically how it's it's, it's been. And and uh, setting up the uh, I mean thinking about Ghana as the as the as the sort of the, the venue for your art fair is it because you're Ghanaian or is that really the best um, place where one can set up uh, an art fair on the continent? I mean, is there a market in Ghana, for example? I mean, it helps that I'm getting in, for sure. <laughs> um, I think in terms of logistics and access to the network, it, it mm. helps a lot, because mm. I can just call up somebody that, you know, my dad mm. or somebody knows, then it makes it a lot easier in terms of organizing, and it has helped a lot. Mm. Um, I think Accra presents a great opportunity in the sense that it's close to, it's, it's, um, it has a good economy, and it's mm. close to other large economies, like, of course, Lagos and others, mm. but it's also a place where, um, foreigners and others can come in and be comfortable and it's very welcome. It's known for a place where we have a lot of expats and all of that. Um, so it has, it combines, I think, all these great strengths to be a place where I think can host an art fair where people can easily navigate and be comfortable and I think it's, it's it works. 
And to Annie, um, your project is a, it's um, it's um, it's different in a way. But I mean, there there is a, a long um, history of people blazing a uh, 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 similar trail for uh, the promotion of uh, an African perspective. I mean, you you told me. Uh, Alin uh, Jupe uh, and President African was really uh, a model you looked up to, but also uh, um, magazines like um, like um, Nka, for example, the, the role of Emwes as a social entrepreneur, but also uh, Ntone Jabe uh, of Chimurenga. Um, so how's your own initiative different from, uh, or what you have in mind, what you're working on, how's it different from, from um, that of uh, the four years, so to say? Right. Mm. Um, well, first and foremost, I always make it very clear that we are standing on the shoulders of these great publications and these great pioneers. It's very important to pay homage and pay your respect. Um, and look, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel, um, but we have identified a void. And the void that I believe that we've identified is the fact that there is a lack of... Um, there isn't a space for critical engagement when it comes to African arts Af and critical thought from the youth perspective. And... Um, Throughout my studies in grad school, I, I focused. I studied human rights, but my focus was always sub-Saharan Africa and always youth empowerment. So I'm always trying to find the ways in which we can empower youth. And I felt that this journal um, and allowing young people to put forth their ideas would be my way of saying, you know, this is how we can empower our youth um, through exploring African art, um, film, photography, um, scholarly research, creative writing. Um, it runs the gamut. I didn't want to do a very area-specific um, publication. I think there are many journals and, and magazines that are solely dedicated to like research or solely dedicated to like um, literary works. But um, I didn't want to leave anybody out. I wanted this to be very inclusive. I wanted this to be um, uh, supportive of all the brilliant minds that don't necessarily get the visibility or can forge their their way through. Yeah. So. Yesterday we had a um, we had a converse, I had a conversation with um, with Cloud of mm -hmm. uh, True Africa mm -hmm. and Jenny of um, OK Africa mm -hmm. and their platform is an om omnibus platform. I mean they I mean it's it's um, it's geared of course it's geared towards the youth, mm -hmm. um, but I think um, your project is in a way is different based on our conversation. You said um, one of the things that inspired you was while in school. Mm -hmm. You had uh, your cohort who would write uh, interesting papers, mm -hmm. but it di uh, but and you felt those uh, those papers should find uh, a platform uh, to uh, to be seen. Mm -hmm. And so, can you talk about about uh, the metrics around that uh, while you were in school? What? Um, yeah, so because my focus was Sub-Saharan Africa, I was making sure to take all as many African courses as I could in Colombia. Um, and I was really intrigued and really inspired by my peers, the papers that they were writing, the presentations that they were giving. And I thought it was a really sad and tragic idea that these papers would just kind of be submitted to the professor and that's where it ends. Um, and I thought that, you know, these, these ideas, these works should have a space, they should have a home, they should be um, opened up to other people who may be interested or curious on some of these topics. Um, and so I started to talk with some of my peers, some of whom have contributed to CNU. Um, and yeah, I just, I wanted, I didn't want like brilliant ideas to just kind of like sit in someone's um, email or sit on someone's desk when it could really open up large, incredible conversations um, all around the world. 
Okay. So, um, I mean, what I'm trying to do is to go, go um, do the first round so our audience gets to hear them talk about the, uh, the project, the inspiration for the project, before we begin to dig in. So, so Shimita, you, uh, you're a lawyer. I know you're, you are, you're interested in startups. Um, so so is, is there a connection with what you do as a lawyer in, and your interest in, um, in uh, promoting um, black art writ large, uh, with, from a very commercial, commercially driven angle, but also with a, uh, a social angle, social element to it, um, progressive angle to it? Um, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, I want to begin, and I know you're going to be mad at me, but mm -hmm. so uh, I am an attorney, and so very much outside of the, of the world of, of the art, and I think that uh, for me, coming in as an outsider, I wanted to try something a little different to help introduce you to what it is that I'm doing. So if everybody could, um, I, I'm just going to, you know, do a little bit of a, a wrap. And so if you could just snap your hands, I'll give you, like this, yeah. OK. Wait, that might be a little fast. OK. All right, let's see. You could call me the black Gertrude Stein, chilling with Picasso of our time. All about community, creating unity to educate and elevate a conscious caliphate. Going on a trip, better pack quick. Gonna find treasure they don't know how to measure. Anoko is a source, we will be your torch, but we gotta show demand, so follow us on the gram. Okay. <laughs> my sister told me I need to work on my flow. <laughs> Um, so, you know, my name is Shemite Obialo, um, and I am founder and CEO of Anoko, which is uh, a soon-to-be-launched digital platform and community focused on helping um, art lovers, art collectors to discover artists, primarily African, African diaspora artists, and really start to learn about these artists and build an art collection that they love. So as an attorney, I graduated a couple years ago, and I started, you know, making money. Yes. <laughs> and I decided, okay, you know, I can finally afford to buy some art that I've been, you know, looking at and observing since I was since I was young. And so trying to get into this world, I found it very intimidating. I found it very insular, I found it confusing and complicated how the art fairs work. Um, and so in all the information very scattered. And so I thought maybe other people feel the same way. So uh, what I am building is a community um, uh, digitally that aggregates information to help people like me um, and, 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 and people who are seasoned collectors to really like guide them through this space. And so, you know, trying to create um, immersive experiences online uh, is really key for us in, in recognizing that, you know, art online is difficult to kind of get because it's such a tactile thing. And so to kind of come back to your question, um, I think that you have a lot of attorneys and a lot of people who are not traditionally, you know, maybe didn't study art history, but are interested in art. And so, you know, 
trying to take them into account and trying to help guide them through this space is how the two connect. Um, you know, connecting financial ability and capital with, with uh, supporting the arts is how it connects. Uh, I also represent a lot of artists um, in doing pro bono work, so that also is how it connects. So. And so, um, there's a reason why you, you are you're interested in um, in block art as opposed to our um, uh, the rest, and and so um, is it because there's a, there's a, the absence of a platform that allows that to happen, um, and if 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 so, how do you intend for your platform to create that sort of visibility that you're interested uh, in creating? Yeah, so I think that there's, um, for people who are aware of the digital sort of different platforms um, out there, you do have Artsy, that's the sort of prominent um, platform where art lovers and collectors can learn about artists. Um, you have Artnet, um, you have African Digital Art, that's focusing more on um, you know, African art. You have, then you have publications that really put out content, articles like OK Africa, mm. ADAT, mm. Um, you, know, you know. So I think that there's a lot out there that's giving you information that you can pull together, but there isn't something out there which, first of all, um, aggregates everything together. Uh, I'm not just talking about articles, not just talking about features of every artist under the sun, honing in on these particular artists. Um, and, and the community, that's what's missing as well. We're not just talking about going on a site and clicking through and seeing you know, something you might like. We're talking about um, maybe logging in with Facebook or LinkedIn so you're connected to your network so that you can see those, those people who you, know, um, who you know and what they like and who they follow so you can learn from them. So it's way more than just you know, having something that exists online. It's, it's, it's about connecting people together together and learning together from each other. So I know to, I mean, creating a, a, a platform from, from scratch is a, is a tedious uh, endeavor. And, and so I'll, I'll be interested uh, to, to learn um, how the process uh, has been so far. I mean, yours is far advanced, uh, far in advance than that of um, uh, Sharon, uh, Ami, and um, Shimitri. So, you walk us through uh, the initial teaching moment uh, of uh, Africa Salon, and then we, we get into uh, to, uh, to to hear from the audience. Sure, um, I, I really lucked out in that there is a couple uh, of Yale alumni who. Um, Stephen and Ruth Hendel uh, are the producers of the Phila musical that many of you may have seen on Broadway, um, and a few years ago gave a really generous gift to Yale for programming on African arts and culture. And um, the center that received the gift didn't really know what to do with it, and so they kind of channeled it toward other things. But then I came along with this whole idea for an African arts festival, and um, luckily there was significant funding in place to support that vision. I think that's a huge part of why Africa Salon has been successful. Um, and so I really thank um, Stephen and Ruth Hendel. Um, and I, I say that because funding, I think, is was was is key to all of our initiatives. Um, 
and uh, I, you know, learned a lot about um, just how essential it is to supporting to supporting uh, programming and events like this, um, and so that's kind of the. That was kind of my main challenge, my main task um, when I was starting Africa Salon was to uh, accumulate funding from around from from around Yale, from different corners of Yale. Um, but yes, I had a lot of help. Um, I think I think other than that, um, one of the challenges, and people ask me about this all the time, uh, is how to fully represent the continent in uh, a day and a half or in a week, how to ensure that the range of artists you choose to highlight um, is authentic to the diversity that the, co that the continent has to offer. Um, and my answer is always that I do my best, you know. Um, we, in, in my process, I start with kind of the artists that I see doing <clears throat> really interesting work and accumulating a lot of interest and really producing at, an, at a high level, at a really excellent technical level. Um, but also, <clears throat> excuse me, also um, uh, I'm really, I'm particularly interested in artists with multiple interests. So artists who are perhaps artistically engaged, but also engaged in activism, artists who are working across disciplines. And um, most importantly, I look for artists who are who are doing something new, who are taking the canon, who are working with traditional influences, but who are um, uh, remixing that, who are telling new stories, who are creating new art forms in their work. Um, and so after I identify artists who meet that criteria, I do my best to ensure that um, there's there's a range of countries represented um, in that group of artists that I decide to pair or group um, that that a diversity of disciplines is represented, a, a diversity of regions, experiences in terms of artists from the continent as well as from the diaspora. Um, and um, artists who are different ages, artists who are who are different um, um, genders. That's definitely very important to me as a female creative entrepreneur, creative entrepreneur and curator. Um, and so I think I think that's been kind of on an idealistic or ideological level um, one of the key challenges of Africa Salon. But so far, I've been really satisfied by the diversity and inclusion that the festival has been able to present. And so there were there was our sort of a ferment on ground at Yale. Um, so it was just waiting for, for a catalyst to, to, to make something to happen. And you, you happened on the scene. Um, so, so, but what was the, I mean, so you've, you've had the Africa Salon, uh, mm -hmm. the, this, this is a second iteration, mm -hmm. um, which built on the first iteration. Mm -hmm. um, and did the second iteration get bigger than the first? Mm. Um, and what was the response the first time? And how was it different from the response the second time? The second iteration was much bigger than the first. Um, one of my goals, moving from the first to the second, um, and I'll take a step back and talk about the response because it informed the way I thought about the second iteration, of course. Um, we had the most engagement and the most um, the highest attendance at the events that were more interactive, so the concerts, so um, panels where um, the the format was a bit more discussion based, so people could actually engage with the with the artist. Um, and so I thought I wanted to make the the festival a festival. I wanted to make it a little even more even more um, interactive and dynamic and a little less academic. I think Yale's got academic events covered, and so I wanted mine to be a little bit different. Um, and so. Uh, this year, um, I tried to plan events that were that allowed people to encounter 
the art that I wanted to showcase and learn from that immediate experience uh, versus just um, hearing a lecture about it and kind of receiving information mm. or or hearing a reading, et cetera. Um, so, so the response to that was re was really positive. Um, I think. I think people were really hungry, as you as you said, for for chance for, for different types of events on campus and chances to um, kind of guide their own experience with contemporary African art. And I think um, the types of events we had allowed them to do that in a number of ways through um, an exhibit we had um, where we brought several artists to um, engage with with attendees informally, to the, the portal that I talked about earlier, to things like the concert and the brunch where people are allowed to organically kind of meet and and, and um, spark connections and collaborations and learning. So Amy, your, your project is really not-for-profit in, in the strictest sense, mm -hmm. you know, and so it's always very difficult to get people uh, to key into a vision mm -hmm. that, has, uh, that lacks that sort of a <laughs> uh, component. So um, how has it been so far? Uh, very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> um, funding, um, of course, across the board for startups or, or anything is always is always difficult. Um, yeah, I mean, right now, I have one person that has you know donated some donated some money, but I'm, it's been my own money right now, mm. um, which is not easy being a recent. Graduates, graduate, like a recent graduate from mm. grad school and living in New York City, so mm. it's it's tough, but um, it's it's always worth it. So funding is definitely a challenge. It's also, even if you do approach people um, who have the funds, it's getting them to understand the vision, the mission, where you're coming from. Mm. Um, and so my thing is like, I just don't want to take someone's money. I w it would be great if that money is coming from a place or a person that that believes in what we're doing, that understands the ethos, and that can um, that aligns with uh, what we're trying to do. Mm. Um, but also, it's been difficult because I am not a business person. So mm. having to to think of myself as a businesswoman and to train that kind of mm. that side of your brain that deals with um, money and and um, like working with people in a business uh, setting, that's been a learning curve, mm. um, so it's, it, I always say it's almost like a muscle that you have to develop and you have to keep working at it, and I mm. have to keep thinking like, yes, this is, this is you know, you know my, my little baby, my, my idea, but I also have to approach it from a very like, staunch like, business approach. Um, yeah, so, but funding, I mean, I guess it's, it takes time. I mean, I'm, it's about networking, it's about doing your research, it's about seeing what are the options out there, it's about talking and having conversations with people who are in business or who have had similar experiences because none of this can can thrive in a vacuum. You have to open yourself up to people and you have to be um, willing to learn from all kinds of people. And so that's, that's what I, I really try to do is to engage with as many people as possible who have experience or who can shed some light on the process. And so I know a project like this uh, requires um if not financial, I mean, of course, financial support, but also um, intellectual support. Mm -hmm. And so how did you get about the business of uh, getting, I mean, people interested to support you intellectually yeah. on this journey? And who have, I mean, conventions about this before? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that is actually a lot easier than trying to get money. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
So um, I, I got really lucky because my um, thesis and thesis advisor in grad school was Mamadou Drouf, who was the director of the African Studies program at Columbia. Um, so I had actually he's the reason why I you know decided to go forth and kind of announce and, and go forward with SUNU because he read my mission statement and we had a conversation and he believed in the idea and thought this was really strong and so that gave me the confidence because I was really scared. Um, I think it's one thing to have an idea, but it's another thing to 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 put it out there because you you make yourself vulnerable to you know critique and all that stuff. Um, so he was my first advisory board member, and then um, from there I just kind of stayed in Colombia. I tried to make things easy for myself, so then I contacted um, Suleiman Bashir Jang, who is a philosopher, who is a philosophy professor and a professor of French at Columbia, but. Um, his writings deal with um, Africa and Islam, mostly. Yeah. Um, then approached Mamdani, who is also at Columbia, but he's all, he also heads the, um, the Makarere Institute of Social Research in mm. Uganda. Mm. Um, and then I, I kept thinking about who are the people that I love to read, who are the people that inspire me, and so mm. I you know, contacted Tamar, Gard, Tamar Garb, sorry, who is in um, the University College of London, who, mm. who deals with a lot of like, South African um, mm. visual culture. Mm. And I've been really fortunate that everyone has been really supportive and on board, and it was an immediate yes. I mm. wish that worked with like, investors and, and donors, <laughs> but you know, it's okay. Mm. Um, so then that, that right now is my advisory board and I'm really mm. grateful to have such have an esteemed advisory board. It does help. Mm. Um, they are really busy, so sometimes they can't offer their time as, as much as you want, but they are mm. extremely supportive. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and having that board not only is, a way, is it a way to seek guidance when I need it, but it's also a way to establish credibility. Like mm. we're not just like some you know, you know, magazine or whatever, just trying to do something, whatever. Like we are, I'm taking the time to kind of cultivate these relationships and kind of mm. curate the right people for this because mm. this is beyond me. And so for to to make sure that this mission is carried out effectively, I need to have um, mm. the right people. Mm. And so you are, um you're in New York. Mm -hmm. um, your audience is uh, the diaspora. The first audience, in a way, is mm -hmm. the diaspora. Mm -hmm. So in terms of content, um, and of course, you, you want to reach the audience in mm -hmm. Africa. In terms mm -hmm. of content, how, how are you able to get uh, the African mm -hmm. voice, I mean, the continental voice, mm -hmm. uh, in your platform? Um, social media and the internet has really been a blessing. Mm -hmm. um, when we established the uh, Instagram page, my managing editor and I, Fatu, were just like, if we just get 500 followers, like that's that's all we need. And we didn't have a timeline or a deadline. We just, I, for some reason, I thought 500 was solid. Mm. And now it's grown to like over like 31,000 followers. Mm. And when we put out the call for um, submissions, mm. the Instagram was where we first, um, you know, um, Posted it, it yeah. yeah. Announced it, sorry. And at the time, we didn't have very many followers, so it was a risk, it was a gamble, but I was really happy and shocked to know that um, people saw it and actually submitted and were really excited to be part of it. And mm. it's it's the most humbling feeling because mm. these people have taken a chance mm. on, um, you know, something that's so new and nascent and, you know, they, they just they contributed just off the strength of um, what they've seen on social media or mm. reading the mission statement. It just really means a lot. Mm. So anytime, anything that I, I do when, and with regards to SUNY, I always want to make sure that it respects and upholds my contributors because mm. they need to be seen in the best light and their work needs to be um, 
supported in the best way possible because mm -hmm. they have they have believed in me and I believe in them. And so mm -hmm. I just want this to be like the best, you know, publication space for their work. And mm -hmm. I imagine Sunu was kind of a launching pad. This mm -hmm. is not a place where, you know, you submit your work and it ends with Sunu. Like if, if let's say a photographer submits their work, hopefully a gallerist will see it and want to pick mm -hmm. them up. Or mm -hmm. if a um, researcher is writing about something, hopefully mm -hmm. they'll get invited to a conference. So mm -hmm. I want this to kind of be a place where they kind of are able to spread their wings, so to speak. <laughs> and what, what is Sunu again? So Sunu is Walla for the word our, O-U-R, and so it's, it's representing the collective space. This is our space. This mm. is an inclusive space. Mm. This is, um, you know, it, this is our, our space to put forth our ideas, mm. um, our questions, mm. our, um, um, you know, this is a participatory project. So mm -hmm. it's like, it's trying to push against the whole top-down model of like, you know, disseminating information. This is a, a feedback loop, I guess, uh -huh. you know, so we're all kind of um, in this conversation together. I learn a lot from my contributors. I've learned so much. Mm -hmm. I've even learned from like the people who comment on our Instagram. So this is truly, you know, a participatory project. And Shemita, you wouldn't have a problem with money because you are... <laughs> <laughs> False. <laughs> well, I am the uh, only investor in my business right now, so I, because <laughs> um, I, you know, work full time, and so, and that's important for startups, mm. any new venture to kind of decide, mm. you know, when is it time to make the leap, mm. and when is it time to, you know, just c continue to build. Mm. Um, so, you know, we're sort of in that early stage and still building. When you take on investors, you also take on, you you also lose control. Mm -hmm. And so we're you know we're not in that phase yet, but um, you know hope to get there after launch and after really testing a lot of the assumptions of the business. Mm -hmm. um, you talked a little bit about the uh, the process, and everybody's been speaking to the challenges. Mm -hmm. Anything new is kind of like, it's kind of like a baby where you have to give it a lot of resources and you don't always know what to do next, but you learn from everybody around you. Mm. And so everything from marketing and understanding social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and how to harness that mm. for a project, um, you know, understanding business and financing things, um, understanding, engaging with different consultants and you know, negotiating that, mm -hmm. um, you know, everything about the business is, is new and is challenging, but it's also really exciting to, to do something um, for yourself that you really believe in. Mm -hmm. um, and the journey is as much of a, you know, a goal as anything. Um, and so for a lot of people starting something, even if you don't end up actually doing it the first time, you learn so much in the process that you can then teach somebody and so you actually have, have succeeded in that sense, so. <laughs> um, so, um, Sharon, the, uh, the inaugural uh, Atta Cry is gonna launch in, in December. Yes. So are we prepared? I believe so, we are. <laughs> We're getting there. Okay. Yeah. So what's the process? Um, so 
before it's been about I would say at least a year and a half in development mm -hmm. um, in terms of the concepts and doing the research and putting together the idea mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's funny I, it's been about learning from from past efforts and failures and mm -hmm. taking the lessons from those and, mm -hmm. and applying it mm -hmm. um, so actually the story behind why I decided I wanted to do this was because um, after doing my business degree and doing the arts with uh, ADAT, I applied for a master's program, a master's in art business mm. um, at Sotheby's, Sotheby's Institute of Art. Mm. And that was like the dream. I was so excited. And I got in and I was like, this is it. <laughs> I've made it. Um, but um, it, it is incredibly expensive. And just the uh, coming to the realization that I couldn't afford to go was incredibly crushing. Mm. And after Finally getting over that, I decided, okay, well, the idea about getting this master's degree was mm. to enable myself to, to pursue these different paths and to, do, to, to, uh, to pursue these, um, these projects. Mm. And so if I'm not gonna do it, I'm still gonna do it anyway. Mm. So fine, mm. I'm gonna have to read and learn by myself and talk to people and, mm. and get mentors, but I'm mm. still gonna do it. Mm. And so after getting over that, it was like, okay, well, the idea about having a space where we could bring together mm. artists and art organizations and galleries was the first thing. Mm. I didn't really think of it as a fair, actually. Mm. I, that was not the terminology I was, was going to use, and I wasn't very keen on it mm. um, because, you know, there's all these expectations around it. Mm. But after developing it and talking to people, talking to you, talking to Koyo, talking to Turia, and all these mm. um, incredibly established individuals in the arts, uh, that's how it's been developing, and mm. from there we've built an advisory board, and we've started to talk to galleries and talk to uh, organizations in Accra, and mm. building our cultural partnerships, and um, trying to pursue um, investors and supporters. Mm. And so it's just been a, a long process over mm. time, mm. Um, and I think at, at this point it's really about um, having that passion for creating something that is uh, sustainable and that supports the industry in terms of contemporary African art in particular mm. and creating something that everybody else can benefit from. Mm. Um, and so that's, that's really been, it's, it's been a long journey, but it's been great so far. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So I think we'll, we'll open it up for, um, for uh, open up for questions. I mean, people can ask questions. Um, okay. Hi, thanks. This is really great. Um, so I guess I have a, a question kind of around circulation, sustainability, um, yeah, circulation and sustainability. So um, in thinking about going downstairs and looking at all the amazing work and thinking about how um, images of black people, um, the work by black folks, mm. how those things have circulated in the past, mm. um, how, they end, how, how they have entered mm. um, collections, mm. Um, individual collections, mm. collections um, of large institutions, mm. um, the imperialist colonial history mm. of that, mm. um, and the fact that all of you are trying to enter this space and kind of do it in different terms. Mm. Um, the question that I have is, how how are we thinking, or how are y'all thinking about um, sustainability, not just of the art arts industry, but of the people who like function within them, the artists, the curators, um, real material things like um, people getting paid for their work, um, artists resell rights, um, things that don't 
continue the exploitation of um, artists, people um, um, in art production, um, changing that kind of, or having an intervention in those, in those real kind of things. Um, yeah, and making it more sustainable, not, not just so the arts can sustain themselves, but so we can um, kind of refigure what all of that is. Well, this is a very massive question. <laughs> sure, I think it's a good one, though. Yeah, but it's a good one, yeah. <laughs> so I know you, you're off to, to show us uh, soon, and so the question, I mean, to pick up, uh, to draw from her own question is, how do you intend for Africa Salon to continue to thrive in your absence? Well, I, I think that's one part of the really vast and important question that you asked. Mm -hmm. I, noticed, I noticed that Sharon wanted to, to answer, though, so I just want to give you a chance to. OK, um, all right. The part of your question that most resonated with me was, was kind of, what do we do after inheriting this legacy of um, African art being disseminated in very exploitative ways and being viewed in, viewed with a certain gaze. And that's something I think about a lot. I, Smooth and I have talked about it. Um, and I think I'm forming my thoughts as I speak, but I think there's something really powerful of powerful about an institution like Yale now paying African artists to come and speak and teach through sharing their work and engage with students. Um, I think there's something really powerful about uh, making Africa Salon free to the public, um, having, you know, having covered the, the artist's pay, um, but then making that work accessible to especially um, the black community in New Haven, where Yale is located, who um, many, many of whom may not um, be able to access high art um, that's right there in their city um, because of their socioeconomic status. Um, and um, so I think that's, I think in many ways the event has been successful in opening up a conversation between um, African artists and members of the African diaspora in a way that I don't think has been kind of um, targeted and deliberately um, facilitated before. Um, and so I, I'm extremely kind of grateful to have had a, a small role in doing that. And I think I'm really aware of um, the, the kind of history of how African art is talked about, et cetera. I mean, it's, it's ongoing at Yale in many ways. Um, and so, so that's kind of what I think of when I think of, of that part of your question. And then to speak about sustainability, I am moving on from Yale. Um, I'm planning to formalize my knowledge of contemporary African arts um, at SOAS, the School of Oriental and African Studies. Um, and I'm, I think a large part of planning the event this year was passing the torch on to students, passing it on to um, other um, individuals at Yale who are who are scholars on on the type of art that the festival features, um, or who are who are eager to learn um, and kind of apply their strengths and disciplines to the to the program, um, and that's really exciting. It's it's. I'm doing as much as I can to lay an infrastructure that will allow the event to continue in a very similar spirit to the to the event that I founded. But I know that in five, ten years, especially because of the way Yale is, it could look extremely different. And so I, I have to kind of accept that and let go. And there's something very freeing about that. There's something very terrifying about that. But I trust that um, 
the the event will remain authentic because that's what resonates with people and I just don't think that the community there will continue to support the event and engage with the event if that spirit changes. Um, but I'd be really excited to hear what everyone else's thoughts on this are. Sharon? Okay, great. I think it's funny because I, I understood a different part of the question. <laughs> um, so I think the part I'm going to answer is about like, sustainability and um, yes, that's the part I'll talk about. So I think what I've noticed is there are a lot of great art organizations that are doing great work, but the challenge that everyone's facing is funding. <laughs> um, and Funding artists are, you know, artists need funding, organizations need funding, institutions need funding, and what I'm finding, at least from research, is that a lot of the support for African art and African organizations is coming from the West, and there isn't as much involvement from individuals on the continent. Um, and part of that is this perception that there isn't a market for it, which I disagree with because if you do research, you understand that there's a growing middle income and upper income segment mm -hmm. and people are able to support. We just need to create something that they can access. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's something that I've also been thinking about, mm -hmm. finding ways to support artists and help them to support themselves by selling their work, which is another part of it, mm -hmm. but also creating a space where, you know, Galleries can come, um, curators can come, um, individuals who want to learn about art and see about it and collect it can also attend. And so I think that's another part of sustainability that I think needs to be talked about. Um, sometimes when you talk about art and like art and money, it's, it's not something that people want to talk about. It's like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> it's like art and money don't mix, but you need funding to support the arts, and I think that's something that needs to be talked about in terms of entrepreneurship in the arts, because it helps it to grow and to be sustainable. And so Sharon? Um, so Sharon, of course, that's me too. <laughs> yeah, funny, we're both Sharon. Sharon's my first name. Sharon's her name. And our last names are quite similar. Mm. Obu, Obi, and Obiala, so we aren't the same person, I promise. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you had a very loaded question. I'll just, I heard some things that I wanted to speak to. Um, the sustainability piece, I think about, you know, getting different artists' works into museums, um, that being a sort of key indicator for, you know, longevity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know if last year, at the end of the year, the New York Times published a piece called The March to the Museum, and just speaking about how increasingly there is an acknowledgement of a lot of um, black artists that are now being collected by, um, by museums. And so I think that um, with that comes collector interest, uh, so an affirmation of the market there. So yeah, I think, you know, when we're not in France and, you know, Europe, where there's just this intrinsic love of the art, a lot of people are uh, influenced by the market the market demand, and so, and it's there. I mean, the Armory, for example, this year had an Africa focus. Um, you're increasingly seeing like art market reports being published where you have concrete information and statistics about art sales and auctions. So I think that because we're having all this information coming out signaling the market um, validation, then we're gonna see people, you know, more likely to invest and and so i think that is one angle and 
for us at Anoko, that is very helpful too in getting um, in getting uh, art lovers and collectors on board. Um, we're all about Anoko. Actually, I should say means wealth, um, and I have to give credit to my grandma who named the company. Um, it's uh, the name is Igala. Uh, where uh, my mom's side is from. And so we really think about it in terms of cultural wealth and financial wealth. And so I think, like, at least priming people to that helps to, um, you know, lead to investment, lead to collecting, lead to sustainability. And so, and so Ami, I mean, the, the, the vision of um, Alun Jip, I want to return to Alun Jip, uh, his vision sort of... Uh, spurn other kinds of um, uh, magazines uh, down the line. And, and again, repeating what I've said before, yours is in that trajectory. But, but we know uh, Presses African went through its, uh, its moment. Um, it, 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 it went kaput, you know? I mean, so, so what we hold on to is the, the memories and legacy of, of Presence African. And, and so in terms of your own, your own, your own uh, initiative, um, how do you think, um, long term, you would be able to to weather some of the uh, the bad experiences of prisons African? Yeah, um, it's always important to keep as much of the future in mind as possible. So we've actually developed um, kind of like a ten year plan for Sunu. Um, the journal is just kind of the first step, but this is mm. a multi-pronged um, endeavor. This mm. is a, an entire social enterprise. Mm. Um, I kind of want to describe it as like an iceberg where you see the tip, but then mm. like below the surface is all this. Mm. Um, so we have plans to do things like workshops. We have plans to um, do things like kind of these kinds of like salon kind of discussions, mm. um, things that um, can engage people and not so much be only about the journal or mm. only about the website. Mm. Um, once funding comes through and is like rolling, mm. um, God willing, mm. um, we do want to uh, make frequent trips to the continent and engage with young African artists and scholars. Mm. Um, like that means going into some of the universities, going into some, some of these kind of like artist spaces mm. and making um, and providing the visibility on the continents, right? Mm. Because it's one thing to, you know, put out, put out a call for submissions on the internet and that's great and wonderful, mm. but you know, it's not reaching as many people as mm. um, I would, you know, as we would like to, and mm. that's going to mean doing the groundwork and do, and you know, and going to Africa and kind of like seeing what is going on. Mm. And um, yeah, but I wanted to address one part of um, the young lady's question that kind of, when she spoke, I, I, I thought about um, the idea of protecting artists. And so one way that we do that, and, and thinkers and scholars, one way mm. that we do that is that we make sure to send everyone a publishing agreement and have everyone understand that they have rights and that, and that mm. this is what we intend to do with your work. Everything is very um, in black and white. And mm. if anyone has any questions, we're always like open to discuss. And so mm. we're always reassuring our contributors that um, we're not trying to exploit your work. Like mm. we're not trying to just, every time, like if we would post it on social media or something, we always make sure we you know, cop do the copyright uh, symbol and like mm. make it very known that these are the artists who, who are contributing. So mm. um, that's one way that we um, protect our contributors and we're always having open conversations with them if they have any questions about anything. So, yeah. Can we have more questions? Can you say your name um, um, before you ask your question? 
Tell us who you are. <laughs> Hi, um, my name is Esther Odiakomo. Um, thank you all for being here. Mm. Um, I'm going to slightly pivot away from art, but I promise I'll bring it right back. Mm. Um, in the spirit of we're talking a lot about business and entrepreneurship and funding, mm. in various industries, we're seeing technology being utilized, whether it's mm. the proliferation, proliferation of apps in the beauty space, mm. in healthcare, or what have you. So I'm curious mm. to know how exactly, if at all, are you utilizing tech to push your organizations for it, and if not, is there a reason why? Outside of social media, that is. Well, I'll start because I'm building a digital platform. Um, so we're building a initially a responsive website, which works uh, both on web and on mobile. Um, you find that in our people are increasingly engaging solely on mobile, I mean, even on Facebook. Most people are uh, engaging with Facebook on mobile. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to kind of like uh, program your whatever you're doing so that it functions on mobile. And on the continent, that's absolutely key as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so technology is integral to what we're doing um, from, you know, sort of learning from users' behavior on the site and making recommendations, um, integrating sort of live streaming, uh, integrating, you know, well, thinking about the possibilities, for example, virtual reality. Mm -hmm. um, so technology is really key when you're thinking about translating things that happen offline into things that can happen online. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, it's absolutely integral, and I think for any business, it's very important um, to really recognize how you harness technology to better tune into your users and your consumers. Sharon? Um, yeah, I think that's a very good question. It's very important, very pertinent. Um, it's something I've been thinking about actually a lot with the team, and I, we're developing a solution that's gonna target that, um, but I think in terms of the future and how specifically technology and, and art fairs work, I think it would be interesting to see how that develops in the future. I know there's uh, there was a fair called the VIP art fair that was solely digital, solely um, online, um, and I think it would be in interesting to research that some more and figure out how that could have worked better or how that can be incorporated into how other art fairs are working you know, right now. Like if you can. If, for example, you can't attend a fair, can you still engage in it and, and, and participate? So I think that's something that I would expect to, to grow in the future. Um, we're trying to see how we can do that, at least for Artica, if, you know, for those who want to support and participate um, online. Um, but I think that's definitely something that's important. Last words from you, um, Ami? Um, I don't think we're quite there yet to, to, to fully think about um, the technological possibilities because Right now, I'm just focused on like trying to put the journal out, but um, we we are toying with some ideas. Um, nothing too developed to kind of like speak about, but mm. it's definitely something important to keep in mind. Um, technology is important, you know, in terms of like accessibility and democratizing these kinds of spaces. So um, it's definitely something that we're we're thinking more about, but we just haven't quite fleshed out what that looks like for us. Mm. Well, thank you all for a very enriching discussion. Thank and you. thank you all for coming.